This just handed to me. The following podcast is a Sam Productions production. Welcome to the Autism Warriors podcast, episode 23, Autism from the Inside Out with Tara Washburn. Our website is autismwarriors.com. Our email is feedback at sayitproductions.com. Our Twitter is sayitprods. Our Facebook is facebook.com backslash autismwarriors and facebook.com backslash sayitproductions. Our voicemail is 813-915-6390. We can also be found on iTunes. Don't forget to go to iTunes to rate and review our show. We're live live every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, sayitproductions.com backslash live. We respect and uphold the rights of people to make choices concerning their family member with autism, whether it be vaccinations, therapies, or medications. I'm Erica Plord. I'm mother to two children on the spectrum, Cassidy 9 and Garrett 7. And with me tonight is my co-host, Pamela Mari. Hello, Pam. Good evening. My name, as Erica said, is Pam Mari. I am mom to Joey, who is 13 years of age, and he too is on the autism spectrum. I have a couple announcements and comments. Uh, we now have 120 friends on Facebook, and we're gaining more each week, and we thank those folks that have joined us. Uh, whenever we post on the uh, uh, World Autism Community, John LaSure always has a comment for us, and he said, thank you, Pam and Erica. That was another great show with a great guest, speaking of last week's show. Pam, you did a big. You need a big hug. I will call SpongeBob and ask for his return at your house. You are the only show I have time to listen to. Keep up the great work and bravo for finding great resources like you do. And speaking of resources, I found one resource. Um, it is the nationalautismresources.com. It's an autism store with all sorts of stuff to help your autistic child. Their mission is to make life easier for parents and teachers. Everyone working at National Autism Resources is either living with a special need or has a, a child with special needs. This is more than a job to, to them. They feel it is it is their calling and they look forward to assisting you. So that's our one resource for the week. And now on to our, our topic of the week. Uh, this week's guest is Tara Washburn. Hello, Tara. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Tara's the creator and owner of heartsthatfeel.com. Can, can you tell us about your blog, Tara? Uh, sure. Um, it started kind of, I, I work with special needs families, um, and I also am, am on the spectrum as well. And um, I had friends that I would tell about my experiences. They're like, Terry, you have to write a blog. You have to get this out there. And in one day, I had over 20 friends either email, call me, text me, or put a message on my Facebook and say, Tara, you got to write a blog. And two friends threatened to steal my journals and write a blog for me if I didn't get on it. So that's kind of how it started. Wow. And in our offline conversation, you said you had 30,000 visitors to your website last month alone. Yeah, that's correct. Wow. Oh, it was, it was over 30,000. Oh, over 30,000 <laughs> visitors. And I know you were diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome at age 28. What led up to your being diagnosed? Um, well, it, it's kind of a weird story because I've, I've always felt different, never really felt connected to anybody my whole life. I come from a very large family, and I just thought it was a symptom of being a young child in a large family. Um, but I used to drive truck team with my husband when I went uh, for about eight years. We drove team um, and my ex-husband. Sorry. <laughs> um, and uh, I would. I just drive crazy, crazy hours. And one day when I was driving, I had a split second blackout behind the wheel. 
Um, and so, of course, I got pulled out from behind the wheel and had to go through all of this testing. And they were trying to figure out what, what was going on. Was was I ha- having you know epileptic seizures? Or um, and in their testing, they found a couple of things that were birth defects with my brain um, and some other stuff. And then they had me go through the test. I forget what it's called. It's kind of like an IQ test, but I'm not sure what it's called. Anyway, that test. And they said, oh, you have Asperger's. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. I don't know what that is. <laughs> that's kind of how I got diagnosed. Oh, wow. Wow. So you refer your, to yourself in childhood as low to moderate functioning. Can you expound on that? Um, yeah, I, I I wasn't real verbal. Music was my first language is what I like to say. Yes, I, I could I could sing uh, perfect pitch in tune by the time I was two years old. Um, and I could make all the sounds of the words, but I didn't know what the words meant. Um, and after I learned to sing, then I learned to talk. Uh, but again, I was just mimicking sounds and people would get excited. So, okay, this must be the right word that goes with this thing. And so then I'd always use that word with this thing. And by the time I was probably about five or six was when words started to click in my brain and go, oh, this actually means something. This just isn't it actually means the specific thing rather than this is the word I say to get this response so that I could have that. Ah, now you offer the example of not being able to cry when in pain, which presented itself as behaviors. Could you elaborate on some other childhood behaviors that you are now able to understand the function of? Uh, I used to hit my head a lot. Um, I used to, I'm assuming you're, you're talking about just physical out, outward behaviors. Yes. Is that, okay. Yeah. I used to, I, I, I still occasionally do the head banging. Um, uh, I, um, have a hard time with, with, um, understanding people sometimes I, I, and, and when that happened as a child, I would get really, really angry and uh, not because, what was going on was something I didn't like, but just because I didn't understand and, and I couldn't quite bring the concept into my head. And so it would manifest itself in temper tantrums or biting and pinching or, you know, just just literally throwing myself into into someone or something or, you know, throwing things around the room. Um, and it was more of a of a I I don't I don't get what's going on here and I'm trying to express to you and you're not understanding me but it was because I didn't understand the words I was using and so they couldn't understand me and anyway how much do you want because I'm long-winded here go ahead (laughs) keep going well for me it was a lot of stuff like um just you know somebody would say okay we're going to go do this well the proper response is okay. And I'd say, okay, because that's what I was supposed to say. I didn't know what saying okay meant. I didn't know that meant I was agreeing to going and doing this. And so then when I'm being forced to walk and go this way, it was this anger, this frustration, because I didn't want to go do that. Or I would be physically picked up and moved into another room. And, oh, there's nothing more aggravating aggravate. I mean, imagine somebody coming up to you, you don't want to do something and you just pick them up and move them. Um, because I felt all of these things. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew, but, but I had no way of communicating it. I had no way of saying, Hey, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. This is what I want to do. And, you know, sure. There are times when parents have to step in and say, I'm sorry, whether you want to or not, you're doing this, you know, whether you want to or not, you're going to eat your vegetables, whether you want to or not, you're going to use the bathroom. That's the appropriate thing to do. I get that. But there were so many things that I was forced to do just because my mom thought I should do not needed to not healthy for or unhealthy for or safe or dangerous, just this is what we're doing now. And you're going to come in here and do it with me where if I had been able to communicate somehow with her, I don't want to do that. Um, I don't think she would have made me do it, but my nervous laughter, she interpreted it and interpreted as fun. I can't say that word interpreted as fun laughter. And so she thought I'm having this fun time when in reality I'm nervous and I'm anxious and I'm giggling like crazy because I don't know how to deal with the emotions that are going on inside of me. So, so Tara, and I, I won't say this, I don't have a, what do I want to say, a vested interest in asking this question because I do on my son's behalf. Would you say that 50%, 90%, 100% 
of the behaviors that you've just described and that you can remember from your childhood were the result of frustration as opposed to real anger or sorrow or something, more just sheer frustration because you weren't able to communicate either the one mm. need or the displeasure or what have you. Mm. So it's, I can't tell you I don't want to make cookies and mm. I can't explain to you that I'm laughing. So I'm going to bang my head on something. Is that yeah. the way? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I would say probably, mm, uh, see, you're asking me, to, <laughs> you're asking me to put a definite number on something. And then I have to go through all of the facts and remember all of the experiences I had it. And because if I tell you something that isn't exactly accurate, then I'm lying and that doesn't fit into my black and white brain. <laughs> so it's really hard for me. Um, but I would say an average, the first number that pops to my mind is about 60%. So I'm going to go with that. Okay. But don't quote me on it. Okay. <laughs> Because that number may change down the road, and I don't want anybody to hold me to it when I haven't really thought it out. <laughs> okay. Now, before we went, and here I go, Erica. Before we went on the air, we were talking about the fact that my son has this, appears to be, again, because he can't truly elaborate verbally. He can talk, but he doesn't have the... the um, Oh, the linguistic skills, shall we say, that you or I have, okay? So he can't say precisely at this point in his life why things bother him. And we were talking a bit about the fact that another child at camp was singing, and he finds that aversive. And you had started to help me out with that, with some insight on that, but you didn't get to finish. And you were saying that it has something to do, in many cases it has to do with pitch, well, the yeah, of- not not just the pitch, but because, again, in, in, in autism, we are so very by the rules because this world is so hard for us to understand. If there aren't rules, then it, I have a meltdown instantly. I've got to have parameters that things fit in. Otherwise, there's too many uh, variables, and, and I can't sort them all out. I can't figure them all out, and, and then I just go nuts. So I have to have rules. And... And with music, when you hear a recording of a song on, I think we were talking about SpongeBob SquarePants. And when you hear a recording of a song on the television, it's in the key it's recorded in. That's And so you take it as the law. This is the key that this song belongs in. Somebody singing it in a different key makes me angry because they're not obeying the rules. They're breaking the rules. And and if you break the rules, then my whole world falls apart. Because if you're not in the rules, then all of a sudden the parameters shift and there's this whole bunch of variables and oh no. And and I start freaking out and getting scared and worried and panic attacks and anxiety and just, you have to keep the rules. That's why structuring, scheduling, all of those things, that's why they mean so much. It's not because it's a pattern. It's because it's a rule. Okay. So obviously you don't have a problem or maybe you do it with with SpongeBob, but can you give us an example now in your adult life of you get up in the morning and you run into one of these examples of someone, something in our environment breaking a rule that you find aversive? Can you give us a oh, all day long, all day long, one, <laughs> anyone? <laughs> okay, my 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 biggest thing is is language. Um, I take words their meaning by the dictionary. Um, a discovery I made only a few months ago, it's something that has been a wedge between me and pretty much everybody I know, um, especially my fam- family members. Um, my sister and I finally, I mean, she's two years older than I, she, I've been her sister for 33 years. And we finally sat down and hashed it out and fought through the anger and the hurt and said, we're going to figure this out. What is the deal between us? And the biggest problem is that she would use the word wrong. And she would tell me, Tara, no, that's wrong. This is, we were, we were talking about my recent divorce and I was telling her, you know, I really had a lot of, of problems. I, 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 I contributed a lot and it was probably mostly my fault because I did X, Y, and Z and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, Tara, that's wrong. Corey would and went off on my ex-husband. And, um, I got angry 
And I wanted to hang up on her, not because I was defending my ex-husband, but because she told me I was wrong. And I defined the word wrong as evil or bad or I, 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 I the, the, the scriptures are such a core part of who I am. And and because of that, I look to them for definitions. And so when I read in the Bible the word wrong, it's talking about evil, about Satan, about turning away from God. And so when she tells me I'm wrong, she's not just telling me I didn't consider everything, which is the way she meant it. Now I know. I didn't know then. Um, she meant it as, Terry, you haven't considered the whole picture. There's more here than just what you see. I okay. heard, heard it as, Terry, you're evil. Okay. So she was saying perhaps you were incorrect, but you were taking the word wrong as in like, I have wronged you or you have done a wrong against just, the Lord, that that yes. type of a definition of the word wrong. Okay. Yes. Like, like, like affects everything wrong. I can't tell you that one word more than anything else. It just lights me up, lights me up. And, and I've, I've made a habit now of using it the way everybody else uses it for the last couple of months, just to get myself used to the idea of saying that's wrong, meaning what everybody else means, not what I mean. <laughs> and so language huge barrier. I, I just had the other day, I was on the phone with a friend. I was having a hard time driving because um, I was in some pain and I got lost and, and I was just freaking out. And so I pulled over and I told her, okay, I'm done now. You can go. She thought I was saying offensively, I'm done. You can go get out. I don't want to talk to you. I was trying to say, I'm done. I, I'm, I'm meaning I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm safe. You can go now because you don't have to stay on the phone with me now. I'm safe now. So if your kids need you or whatever, please feel free to go. But, but my reaction was not understood that way. She took it as, and, and she even told me later, she's like, Tara, you know, most people, when they say you can go now, it's, a, it's, it's the way they say, get out of here. You can go now. When in reality, it was, oh, thanks so much. You can go now if you need to because I'm safe. Oh, this is intense. This is, this is eye-opening eye for me. Um, and if this is the type of thing you discuss on your blog, I'm going to watch it. I'm, I mean, I'm going to read it because I have the same situations with my son with certain words. And I say to him, Joey, how can you not like a word? How can you not like the word stuff? How can oh. you not like the word something? Oh. <sighs> because it's undefinable. It doesn't fit okay. in the parameters. <laughs> True. And even my brother, who, who doesn't really make much sense sometimes, said to me one time, if he's a very precise individual and you say to him, go eat something, mm -mm. what the hell is something? Mm -mm. You know, oh. it could be peas, it could be liver, it could be an ice cream bar. What, what is something? You know? Oh. Oh, you, yeah. You send me into the kitchen and tell me to make something. I stand there all day long looking. Where's the recipe? The fridge. Well, I, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't even need a recipe. I can cook without a recipe, but I need to know what I'm going. I'm looking at all of these ingredients and in my mind is going, well, I could make this. I could make this. I could make this. But I don't know their tastes. I don't know if they want this. I don't know if they feel like eating this. I don't feel like eating this. Again, the parameters are so huge because I consider everything I can think of. So I consider the temperature of the day. I consider the kitchen I'm cooking in. Am I cooking on an electric stove or a gas stove? I consider the ingredients in my fridge. Is this really fresh garlic or is it a week old garlic? Because if it's a week old, I'm not going to cook this kind of dish. I'm going to cook that kind of dish. Okay. Well, now do I have these ingredients? No, I don't have that one. That one's missing. Well, I can't make that. So then I got to reconsider everything again. Oh, wait, but I forgot my niece is going to be eating this meal and she doesn't like that food. So now I've got... I mean, it goes on forever. But if my if my family would come to me, or the family I care for comes to me, mom's you know the mom comes to me and says, Tara, I have these things in the fridge. I was thinking we could make this for dinner. I'm all over it. Got it done. Okay, so it has to be specific and precise okay. and definitive, not yes. wishy washy and generalized. Yeah, and and not because I'm not smart. It's not because I can't figure it out. It's because there's too much, too many variables. Okay, and it paralyzes me. Okay. Wow. Okay. Wow. Now, what do you attribute to your increase in functioning levels, therapies, experiences? Um, I got to say mostly God. Um, I know that that will rub people the wrong way, some people, but 
But everything I, I am and able to do, I learned from praying and asking God for help and going to my scriptures and reading and finding answers or simply receiving inspiration after I pray, you know, sitting quietly and just, just letting him kind of get into my heart and waiting and, and answers come, try this, do that. And so that's what I do. Hmm. Very interesting. And that leads to the question, you make many references to religious passages in your blog. How does your personal faith affect <laughs> your life with autism? Um, you can't even ask me to separate it because my personal faith isn't isn't separatable, separate of whatever the word is, isn't separable from who I am. If if there is anything I am to the core, it is my faith. Um there's no way to even begin to say that it, I, 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 when, when you sent me that question, I just looked at it and I thought, I have no clue how to answer this because it, my life with autism without my faith would be like me saying my life with autism without me. <laughs> um, it, I, I cannot separate myself from my faith. So how does it affect my life with autism? I guess it makes it a lot easier because, again, in religion, there are parameters, there are, there are specific rules and guidelines. And, and if you follow these rules, you'll have a happy life. You'll have a successful life. If you do these certain things and, you know, um, it, it makes it very easy to, to step into any situation and know that, okay, these, these basic outlines give me, give me at least – at least somewhat of a parameter to work with rather than just all over the place anywhere. When somebody is not a member of my faith, then it's wide open to me. And, and again, I panic. And so I'm very shy and very reserved. You wouldn't know it, but, but I truly am. I have a hard time talking with anybody who is outside of my faith because I don't know what to talk about. I don't know what's safe to talk about. And the doors swing wide open and what do I say? What do I not say? How do I speak without offending? How do I, you know, all of those things. So my, my faith, I guess, kind of gives me a safe space, if you will, um, verbally. And, 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 and it sounds really silly right now, all the things I'm saying, because it feels like I'm just, I'm a member of my faith because of this. But the truth is, um, I've had, I've had too many miraculous answers to prayers and I mean on a daily basis answers to what I'm supposed mm -hmm. to do to overcome all of these challenges and trials and how do I help all of these people that are coming to me to have, for help to to even doubt my faith so anyway I don't know if that answers you or not but <laughs> I thought that was a good answer I did too I, I yeah what faith are you Tara not that I have said Okay. That, that's okay. No, it, it's fine. I, I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay. Um, commonly the only known reason, as Mormon. The only reason I say that is because you made some references in in some blogs. I mean, I, I scanned quickly, I will admit. Mm -hmm. I did not read them thoroughly. But I saw some Hebrew references and, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. So that's why I was asking, just because. I, I have made religion my study. Um, you know how, how people with, with Asperger's kind of have their one thing? Um, God is my one thing. And so I have studied any religion's um, sacred writings that have been translated into English. And my one of my goals before I die is to read the entire Old Testament in Hebrew, because that's the original language it was written in, and read the entire New Testament in Greek, because that was its original language. Um, and so I've, the last year and a half, I've been studying ancient biblical Hebrew, working up to that goal. So that's that's why the Hebrew's in there. But I've, but I've read the Quran. I've read the, the Tao Te Ching. I've read the um, Lao Tzu's. Um, I've I, I just read anything I could get my hands on that was translated into English. So, Wow. Yeah. Now, offline, we had a discussion about consulting on seminars with the parents of and neurotypical siblings. Mm -hmm. What exactly is your role in this project? 
Uh, well, I am <laughs> the consulting. I, I am the consultant. Um, I, I either go into homes or do consulting over Skype, um, over the phone if they don't have access to Skype. Um, and am able to help these families you know, just just sit down and talk with them about their children, um, give them some insights into their children. I, I'm able to pick up what people are feeling um, when I focus in on them. And not, not always, I, let, let me rephrase this. I'm able to pick up what's at the core of their heart troubling them, not the surface stuff, but what's at the deep center. Um, and, and when I do that, um, nine times out of 10, I can then help this family find a way to come together and, and sort of, sort of mend and not only help their special needs child feel, feel integrated and part of the family, not just somebody who's being taken care of by the family, but also help everybody just kind of learn to, to open their hearts with each other and learn to be real and to be a family and be connected rather than just people living in a house together. Um, so that's kind of what my consulting does. And then the seminars teach, just teach basics of uh, what families can do. Um, the seminars are, are kind of broken up. I take the special needs children and have one-on-ones with each of them so that I can get to know them throughout, throughout the, the day and a half of the seminars. Um, my very dear friend, Justin, uh, is kind of my voice to the parents because in a room of 50, 100 people, um, when you can pick up on the emotions of everybody, it's it's overwhelming and meltdowns happen very quickly for me if I'm in a room for a day and a half with all of those emotions. Because you know, as you can imagine, these parents are are stressed out and worried and at their, at their wits end and feeling like this, this is my last resort. I hope this one... <laughs> Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Kind of feeling, and 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 when it comes over that way, it's it's a little bit overwhelming to have that coming from 50 moms and 50 dads, and you're standing there and feeling all of this. And how do you not just break down and get depressed and cry right here and there on the spot? So I let Justin be my voice, and then we connected through headset or something where if there's a question asked that needs a response from me, I can give a response. And then during breaks, of course, there's interaction time with me and things. And then I have another very dear friend named Marin, who is a fabulous woman. And she, um, she works with youth. Um, her, her calling in life is to help mend families and her specialty is is youth, and she takes the neurotypical children from these families, if, if there are neurotypical siblings, and she just lets them know how important they are, gives them guidance and direction in, in finding their purpose in life. Instead of life being encircled around healing this child over here, it becomes about them. They learn, they learn their value and their worth and their potential, and then she also offers herself as a mentor um, to these children if the families would like those services afterward. And she is phenomenal, just a fabulous woman, has changed hundreds of lives, including my own, and I'm much older than she is, but she has she has changed my life as well, um, just in, by who she is and the kind of mentor she is. So that's kind of the, the setup of, of the seminar. Oh, wow. Sounds very interesting. Now, you spoke of updating and revamping your website. What are your plans for the website? Well, it's going to be a real website instead of just a blog post. Um, we're going to have a, a main information page about the seminars and the consulting, and then we'll have a bio page about all of us that are involved. Um, and then there will be you know, a, a page, of course, that has my blog on it and, and will continue to be updated with little tips and things and just kind of insights into my life and, and why I do what I do or did what I did. Um, and, and then there will be a page for, for um, what do you call it? Uh, stuff that you sell. <laughs> I forget what it's called. Anyway, because we products. <laughs> yes, thank you. I have I have another very dear friend, dear friend who is a wonderful artist. He he is just incredible, and he is right now in the middle of of uh, designing my logo, and has also 
had these great ideas for other pictures and he, he too has Asperger's and, um, just read my blog and, and felt like he wanted to be a part of this project. And so really excited for that because some of the work he's done, you know, it'll, they'll make beautiful pendants for necklaces or tie tacks or whatever. And I'm just really excited about it. So we'll, we'll have that as well on, on the website. Wonderful. Now, as an adult on the spectrum, you stated that you're new to the online autism community. Would mm-hmm. you say that you feel the online community accepting and supportive? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I'm here with you. <laughs> less, than, <laughs> less than two months of me starting my blog, you know, I'm, I, I feel very accepted and supportive. Um, I have received a few responses from people that, and by few, I mean, a total of three <laughs> responses from people that were negative out of literally the now we're into the thousands of yeah. emails and messages I've received. So I feel very, very accepted and supported. That's great. Now we spoke about the non-traditional view of autism. What is your stance on this view or explain what you mean about the non-traditional view? Well, um, when, when I'm, when I'm with someone and I'm picking up on how they feel, Someone who is sick, for instance, like their physical body is ill. Let's say like, like, like with, with you, your, your wrist is hurt. Mm-hmm. So it feels like a hurt wrist. It, it, you know, it, if, if your stomach was sick, it wouldn't feel like your wrist is hurting. It would feel like your stomach is sick. They're, they're two different illnesses, so to speak. Um, when I am with people who deal with neurological problems, be it autism. Um, the little girl I care for right now has Angelman syndrome. Um, I have family members with, with mental disorders, um, and chemical imbalances. Um, no matter who they are, it feels exactly the same. It doesn't feel like a different illness. It is, it is, it feels exactly the same. Um, and so I kind of have a different viewpoint of why it's here why these different illnesses are popping up and so quickly and so rapidly. And again, my view comes from the scriptures, comes from, from uh, the, the revelations given to Isaiah and Jeremiah and in the book of revelations from John and just all these different things. You read it, I read it, and I go, well, duh, that's what all of this is. It's, it's kind of this, this way to turn us about and make us wake up and see, but, but I've, in in a in a this is so hard for me to separate the spiritual but i don't want to get on a and feel like i'm i'm giving a lecture um but in in a very real way every one of these things are here for a purpose for a reason they're all here to help us see what we don't see to help us help us wake up because we're all asleep right now we're all out of it right now. Isaiah, in, in, in chapter 29 of Isaiah, he talks about the spirit of deep sleep has been poured out upon the nations. And, and these people, they stumble to and fro, and they, their eyes have been closed, and they don't understand. And he talks about people who dream that they've eaten, but they wake up and they're still starving. And they've dreamed that they, they're thirsty, and they dream that they've had something to drink. And they wake up, but they're still faint and, and looking for sustenance, and that this is... This is a symptom of the people who fight against Zion or fight against God. And so you have this view here that says, okay, if all of this is going on, what's the answer? How do we stop it? And that's where these special needs come, come, kids come in because I don't know a single mother of a special needs child who has not spent night after night after night wetting her pillow over hurt because she sees her child not being loved and accepted and treated the way other children are. And it hurts her heart to the core, and she has no way of helping or changing it. But that very thing is what softens her heart. And when her heart is soft, she's ready to hear God. And then the whole family can heal. Um, And that's what it's about. If the family heals, society heals. So this, this is true. Well, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Mm, thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. <laughs> well, you have a great night now, Tara. Okay, thank you. You as well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Pam, are you there?
Yeah, I was just listening. <laughs> I mean, for once, I was listening. I, you know, not that I don't listen to our other guests. I think but she I had know. a lot of good things to say, a lot of good things to point out. It's just uh, a different viewpoint at the mm-hmm. end, you know, what she was speaking about. And not without merit. I mean, everybody's viewpoints have, have merit. Um, I just appreciate hearing hearing a different one once in a while, you know. Me too. So. I wish her well. I mean, I hope she obviously doesn't need a big lift up on her website, but I'm sure once she gets um, the other options hooked up with it, it'll do really well. I think she's doing really well now. Over 30,000 views in the last month. That's, that's a lot. That's wow. That's astounding. But on to random news stories. I found a couple. I'm just going to go quickly through them. The first one is technology being used to build bridges with autistic children. Salt Lake City. Digger has a tough time breaking out of his world and expressing what's on his mind. As a nine-year-old with autism, the desire to socialize with his classmates or even give a book report becomes excruciatingly awkward. He just wants to fit in and wants to be part of what's going on with kids his age. But he's just different enough that he's not sure what to do. Digger's mother, Lynn Frick Dolan, said, Digger is not alone. It is a, it is estimated that 1 in 10, 110 children and 1 in 70 boys in the U.S. are affected by autism. In Utah, it is estimated that 1 in 49 boys has some form of autism as of 2008. Now researchers, including some from the University of Utah, have developed an education system that uses computer programs and soon iPhone and iPad apps that will help children with special needs not only learn, not only learn, oh boy, but (laughs) something happened here. Um, but bridge those communication gaps that keep many children stuck inside their minds. It has taken him from his world to somehow functioning in our world and be able to communicate with us, Frick Dolan said. You can find that news story in our show notes um, if you want to read a little bit more about that. And then I had one entitled Skating Mom Helps Son with Autism Soar. Fiend Club, Lyra Stevens' roller derby persona is a dark, fierce competitor, circling the rink fighting for the Dedantes in bouts all over the South. She's the captain of the team, which is part of the only derby league in Montgomery, Alabama, the River Region Roller Girls. Derby is her passion and her stress buster. It's fun. It's serious physical business. She's willing to get hurt. But when she's simply Lyra... She's also the mom of five-year-old Sewell, who at age two was diagnosed with autism. Well, we all know what autism is. After she enrolled Sewell in a therapeutic skateboarding clinic hosted by the A Skate Foundation at Birmingham, Alabama, based organization for kids with autism, Stevens realized her derby team as committed to giving back to the public as it is to winning bouts could help. She organized a benefit scrimmage for the A-Skate that will bring three other derby teams from the region to Montgomery to help the cause. You can find the link to that story in our show notes. Um, So, Pam, how was your week? I didn't even know we had roller derby anymore. I didn't know either, but... I mean, we were watching roller derby when I was like 12, which, you know, was 32 millenniums ago. That, That surprises me, so good for her. I mean, my week has, it's been a really weird summer. I don't know if it's allergies. I don't know if it's hormones. And I'm not referring to myself. Um, just, <laughs> just been a little more, a little more aggravated here than usual. But um, I wanted to say that there's no greater joy for Joey than when a package comes in the mail for him. I mean, that he really enjoys that when we get things in the mail. And the reason for that is that I do most of my shopping on eBay because most of the things that he asks for are no longer produced, which makes shopping a real challenge. Uh, things like videos from Nickelodeon, and I mean the old ones, you know. That are still on videotape, not DVD. Yes. No, we're, we're looking for VHS when we're shopping. Um, 
yeah, computer games that ran on Windows 98, which is one I just came in the mail this week, and things of this nature. The hard part's trying to find these items and not pay a small fortune for them. Like he wanted, you remember Blue's Clues? They had that handy-dandy notebook thing. Yes. Okay. Well, there's like 42,000 million different versions of the handy-dandy notebook. And, and one is like, I don't know, the Nature Hike notebook or something. This damn thing's selling on YouTube for like $149.99. Oh, my is, gosh. Yes. And there is no way I'm paying that for a little five-page piece of plastic, okay? So that mm. that's the challenge is to find these things that he wants that – are more or less now considered collector's items, you know. Yeah. When they were popular, he didn't want them. He had no interest in them. So we got our copy of the Rugrats game, and uh, hopefully it'll work on the second-hand computer. Our friend Mr. Rob, who builds computers and donates them to the community, got for us at a steal uh, running Windows 98. But again, the hard part of all this is explaining that they just don't <coughs> – excuse me, make things like that anymore. Like, he'll ask me for Rugrats fruit snacks. Well, the Rugrats went out, like, you know, years ago. So you're not going to find some old stale box of Rugrats fruit snacks <laughs> on the on the shelf at the supermarket. You know, Mom, you can go get these. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll look for them, Joey. You know, and he's also obsessed with these things called M&M's ice cream treats, which I gather were a popsicle you know, shaped like an M&M, and it came in, like, red, green, and blue or something. Oh, uh, okay. Well, they just plain don't make them anymore, you know? So good luck with that. I mean, if he – if Joey sees it in a video on YouTube, he believes it can still be purchased somewhere. And a lot of stress in our house and a lot of emotion on his part due to the fact that, like I said, the big, bad, vicious, horrible YouTube shut his channel down. And uh, we have not yet started to re, re-record, re-upload, what have you, the 500 videos that he had on there. And he's just, he's just lost without them. And it's real hard to explain to him why, what we did wrong, why did they shut us down. You know, um, you try to say they don't like us when we copy their videos, but he, he just doesn't get it, you know. So... It's hard enough to explain the concept of quiet voice, which he hasn't quite mastered yet either. But <laughs> so that and the uh, the uh oh spaghettios is that's my week, you know. <laughs> How was yours? Well, I think I mentioned on last week's episode that I purchased season, purchased season passes to the local amusement park. I think I I mentioned that we well we have gone as a family a total of four times, with the exception of the one time. Garrett and I went together while Cassidy was at camp, and today I went this morning with Cassidy while Garrett was at camp. We love it because there's lots of water play, and they love the water. But I've come to find that Cassidy is anxiety-riddled about time when she wants to do something. Last week we took last Wednesday we took a train ride around the lake and she was so nervous about having enough time to go on the other rides that we couldn't even enjoy the train ride. I'm just glad that she doesn't have a watch. <laughs> Garrett just sat there on the train and spaced out. He um spaced out because I don't think he even wanted to be on the train ride, but I made them go on that train ride. I was like, we are taking a train ride around the lake because this is fun and we're going to have fun. She complained the whole time that she wasn't going to go on a ride. What time is it? What time is it? What time is it? What time is it? It's You said we have to leave at 530. It's 515. It's 515. Oh my goodness. Just calm down. We, If we leave a little bit later, that's fine. You know, You'll get to go on your rides, whatever. Um, Garrett on Tuesday of last week went on one ride, had a blast. Then on Thursday, he came off the ride crying. So I don't know if he was having some sensory issues. Um, He also started taking that medication last Wednesday. So I'm wondering if it has something to do with the medication. Maybe it's doing something with his sensory issues. Maybe I think also because it... um, He's doing well on the medication. He's not having uh, any, his mood swings have lessened. He seems happy, not irritated by everything. So, so far, so good. Um, 
but I think I I don't know. He doesn't want to go on any rides. Although we did get him to go on a couple rides today, which was good. We but he would prefer to be in the water park. <laughs> but uh, he started camp yesterday, and at the end of the day, when we picked him up, he said he did not have a good time. I asked him if he had a good time swimming. He said yes. So I asked him, so how can you say you, that you did not have a good time at camp today? His reply was, well, I just didn't, I just didn't, but I like to swim. Then in conversation later, he said he didn't like the games that they played, and that's why he didn't have a good time. But he was excited that he saw his cousin Elizabeth, my cousin's daughter. It goes to the same day camp, so he knows somebody there. When I dropped him off this morning, he doesn't sit with the rest of the group. He goes because they have little, like, kind of, you know, the cafeteria picnic tables lined up, and he sits all the way at the end away from the rest of the group. So I know he's having some socialization issues. <laughs> but I'm like, bye, Garrett. And he's like, bye, Mom. La, 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 la. But it was reported today that he had a hard time controlling his temper this morning. They didn't know why he got upset, but he threw his glasses and broke them. Oh, no. <laughs> he won't talk about it, but he gets to go bowling tomorrow. <laughs> I'm just happy I haven't had a phone call saying come pick him up. Yeah. Oh, well, he's just getting started. He's just you know. getting started. He has tomorrow and then Thursday and Friday and then camp is over. So oh, we have one. We have this week and then we have next week. And today the kids went to Hershey, Hershey Park. Oh, yeah. Well, they didn't really go to the park. They went to the um, chocolate world, it's called. Yeah. And it's pretty cool. I mean, you get in this little car and you ride through and it, it shows you almost like you're inside the factory. You know, it shows you how the candy bars are made. and But they have a little animated section with these three cows in their stalls. And the cows sing, you know, and the heads go back and forth. And then the, the next shot is the, the rear ends of the cows and the tails are wagging. You know, everybody knows the singing cows at, <laughs> at Chocolate <laughs> World, you know. So they saw the singing cows and then they went to, um, they have something called the the 3D show and I don't know what it is what what the movie's about but it's it's a facade of a movie theater with the blinking lights you know and and they took all the kids in and I said did you get to wear the glasses and he was like yeah we get to see the 3D movie you know so at least he tolerated that without having a you know the first time you see 3D I guess can be a little startling you know oh yeah when I brought Cassidy and Garrett to see Cars too. They did, we went into the IMAX 3D, and it was the first time Cassidy had ever gone to a 3D movie. And these things are flying at us, and she's, like, trying to grab them. <laughs> she's like, why are they flying at us? It's scaring me, Mom. And Garrett's just like, la, 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 la. I've been to a 3D movie before. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just glad for, for him for the experience, you know. Yeah. The experience of getting to go. Now, next week they go to, we have a place around here called Lake Tobias, and it's a very well run and maintained, and the animals are well cared for. It's a wildlife park. Oh, okay. And you get in um, a school bus, you know, with the top cut off. And you, oh, cool. You get, to, you get to go on safari. And I awesome. mean, you get to go, uh, the, the wildebeest and the the yaks and everything are like right, they get right on the bus. I mean, we oh actually, my goodness. Have, they're like getting up in the bus driver's face, licking her and stuff. You know, it's really cool. <laughs> I mean, if you want to get licked by a yak, I guess, but <laughs> it's really, really interesting for the kids and um, they go every year. So I, I'm just so happy that he gets to go and they always take great pictures <laughs> for me. Yeah. Now this, so, more, this, yeah, it sounds like fun. But yeah, this morning when I took Cassidy, I was like, look, we're going to the water park. We'll go on a couple rides, um, whatever. And she said, Mom, can I get my face painted? I said, well, that costs money, but don't ask me for anything else the rest of the day. You can get your face painted, but don't ask me 
for anything else. She's like, okay, mom. So she got her face painted right before we left the park, but she forced me to go on the, the, the swings with her, which I did not care for. Cause every time we go around this certain part, I felt like my feet were going to hit the roof of where the uh, ride operator was. I was like, Oh my God, my feet are going to hit the roof. Go around. My feet are going to hit the roof. <laughs> we went on this one ride called Wipeout. And she sat right next to me and she kept squishing me into the side of the thing. And I'm like, the first time we went on, we were going forwards, which was fine. But then the second time we went on, we were going backwards. I was freaking out. I was, I'm like, why aren't, why is my autistic, my daughter who has I was gonna know, say. autism, why is she not freaking out? And I'm the one freaking out with my sensory issues. Like, yeah, really. Fly off this freaking thing. You know, <laughs> and then we wanted to go on this one thing. It was called the boomerang. It's like the circular thing, and you sit on it, and it, lo- it looks like you're sitting on a motorcycle. Then something comes up behind you, and it holds you in place. We're standing there in line, and we probably would have gotten on right away, but apparently the per- the somebody from somebody from the last time they ran the ride had thrown up on the ride so they had to shut the ride down oh yeah that's it that's where they clean it up oh i okay thanks for the hint that's enough for me i'm out of this line (laughs) i know i was like i said to her because my friend came over the other night she's like if cassidy wants to go on that ride i'll go on the ride with her we'll just have to pick a day next week (laughs) i'm like if they threw up on the ride i'm not going on that ride heck no and then she loves this one ride called um, Drop Zone. And you, they bring you all the way up, then they drop you a little. Then they bring oh, you no. back. They no, drop no, no. you a little. <laughs> that was the one ride last week that Garrett went on. On Tuesday, he enjoyed it. But Thursday, he came off the ride crying. I'm never going on that ride again. <laughs> but anyway, that was my week. And I'd like to thank you, Pam, for being on the show again with me tonight. You're quite welcome. Um, we still, I don't remember what we'll be talking about next week, but we'll let next you guys know. Next week is, what's today's date? The 18th? Today's 19th. To the 19th. Next, next week is. Next week we're having um, Jean Nicole from Canada on to speak about her invention called the eating game. Oh, okay. Yep. That's right. That's right. The yep. eating game. But anyway, you could find us. Our website is autismwarriors.com. Our email is feedback at sayitproductions.com. Our Twitter is sayitprods. Our Facebook is facebook.com backslash autismwarriors. Visit us and like us. And facebook.com at sayitproductions. Visit us and like us. Our voicemail is 813-915-6390. We can also be found on iTunes. Don't forget to go to iTunes to rate and review our show. If you go to sayitproductions.com and click the donate button, you could see all the ways in which to donate to us. It's just not monetarily. Um... That will help us keep um, us up and running. Catch us live at 8 p.m. every Tuesday. Thanks for listening to the Autism Warriors podcast. We hope to see you next week. 